Thank you, honey. The whole month of December, we're going to be celebrating Christmas. We're going to be celebrating with song, with worship, with the Word, because Jesus came to restore us back to the original plan. And I want you to go ahead and turn your Bibles to John 21, but as you're turning there, uh, I saw this, uh, some of our folks sent this, and it's called Christmas Rules. The first one is don't go in debt trying to show people how much you love them. Second of all, don't go visit your family if it compromises your mental health. <laughs> Last but not least, if someone comments on your weight, eat them. <laughs> Amen. In this series, Being an Overcomer, we have learned how to overcome some major issues in our life. And the reason why we can overcome is because Jesus has overcome the world. Last week we've been talking about, we began talking about overcoming the lie of unimportance, where many in the kingdom of God do not feel like they are important enough. They are gifted and anointed, like fine arts department, very gifted, but you and I are gifted in our peculiar, as the Bible says, and very important ways. And I want to encourage you and, and cause you to understand when we don't understand that we have overcome, it can create havoc in our own personal walk with God and with others. <clears throat> God's restorative anointing is here, and we need to reach out in faith. Next week, we are going to talk about overcoming sickness and disease and spend a couple weeks on that. We are going to experience the miraculous of God. We're going to experience some very peculiar and very interesting things that God will do. We're going to give you tools in your hands to be able to lay hands on the sick that they would recover. We're going to show you what Jesus did in restoring health back to you. We began the series with a story of Jesus and Peter when Jesus is restoring Peter. We understand Peter and, and the many different things that he chose to do, not to do, to say, and not to say. We find in studying Peter's life, it came from, at times, not feeling important in the group that he was in, the, the 12 disciples. <clears throat> and so in John 21, verse 15, let's read this story again. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And remember, we talked to you about agape and phileo last week. You can get the, the notes and or the, the uh, teaching on that uh, at the, the book table. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, then feed my lambs and begin to walk in the ministry and use the giftings that I have given you. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, then tend my sheep. Peter, I believe in you. 
Peter, I'm telling you, that I know the sheep. But I believe in you. You tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, then feed my sheep. Wherever you're at, whatever's going on in your life, Jesus is a restorative God. And he has set plans for you to begin to walk in that restoration. We need to understand what it is, what to do, and by faith begin walking into it. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish, speaking of his death. The reason why, in many instances, Peter was, was misunderstanding and did not understand how important he is. And then a lot of times the reason why that he failed and did things that were wrong and said things and got angry and cussed and did all the things that he did was because he was afraid. He walked in fear. The reason why he didn't say, yeah, I'm one of those disciples, because he was afraid he was going to be killed. And Jesus said, Peter, the very thing you were afraid of is going to happen to you. But you need to begin to understand you are so important in the kingdom of God. So feed my sheep. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Then Peter, turning around because he felt unimportant, saw the disciple, John, whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper, which ticked off Peter. Now, I'm adding that, but bottom line, you know, because he was in competition, comparing because he felt unimportant. Lord, is the one who, who is the one who betrays you? And Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? He says, hey, hey Peter, you know, what if I just say, John, you're going to live to be 200 years old, but you're going to die, Peter. What's that mean to you? You follow me. You follow me. You make that decision to understand that I've gifted you, I've anointed you, I've called you, I've set your life in, in order. By faith, follow what I'm saying, no matter what you felt, no matter what you've experienced, and no matter what you feel. Then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. In other words, there was a rumor that John was just going to live forever. Again, that ticked off Peter. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but if I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? Comparison. This is the disciple who testifies these, of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Jesus was making a strong statement. He basically said that he has zero tolerance for someone to think they are unimportant to the kingdom of God. It breaks God's heart when we think we are unimportant. It breaks God's heart when we compare ourselves with other human beings. It breaks God's heart 
when we walk in a lifestyle of not seeing all that God has done and all that God has said and hearing that and how important you are in every aspect of the kingdom of God. The reason why is that it causes our flesh to rise up and we lose sight of who God created us to be. When we begin to walk in this mentality of feeling unimportant, it, we lose sight of who God created me to be. Instead of receiving the forgiveness of our past, we then begin to judge ourselves based on what other, others do, comparing ourselves to others. So we found in Peter's life the devastation of a belief we are unimportant. And that's what we discovered last week. And this is what the believing was. Believing the lie of unimportance causes either arrogance, pride, or inferiority or insecurity. That in every area, everything that we do, we are insecure. We're looking for someone to pat us on the back. We're looking for someone uh, to like us. What this feeling of unimportant does is believing the lie of unimportance keeps me self-focused on others rather than Jesus comparing who we are with other people. We then believing the lie of unimportance causes me to mistrust God and at times become offended at God. Have you ever known some people who were offended at God? They stopped going to church. They give every reason to be mad at the pastor, be mad at their boss, be mad at their spouse, just because they feel like they are unimportant. And the next, believing the lie of unimportance causes me to compare, which makes me resentful, and I reject others when they succeed. I begin to look when someone else is doing well. I get angry, I get mad. You see that in the world today. Bottom line, our faith should be that we are valuable and so important to the kingdom of God. Church family, during the holiday season, I want you to understand that when you understand what God has done for you, none of us deserved it, but he did it for us. And we understand that it removes pride and it removes insecurity. And it causes us to begin a journey of what Terry was talking about, of choosing to have joy, understanding who we really are. Let's dig a little bit deeper with this. So my question to you is, as Jesus restored Peter, how can Jesus, how can he restore you today? What area in your life do you need restoration? I'm not talking about some major miracle. I'm talking about in your life, is there areas in your life that you're always battling with and fighting with? What area is there that Jesus can restore you today? Because I'm gonna give you biblical truth in how this happens. That you can have tangible tools in your heart and in your hands to begin to walk in a journey that says, I am important in the kingdom of God. Let me say this again, prayer warriors, pray the month of December because we are healed. We're gonna see the miraculous 
in the next few days. And next year, it's going to be absolutely fabulous, the restoration and the healing that happens, not just in this house, but everywhere you go, every place you go, wherever you set your foot, and whoever you lay hands on, that healing and miracles are there to happen. We are the tools that God will use to restore life to people. That's what the church is about. Another question I want to ask you, getting back to this, is why do we compare? Some of us say, God, why did you make me this way? Were you distracted when you created me? Did you run out of parts? You know, we laugh at this. We all do. But there are people that are so devastated, they feel that way. And it keeps them so bound. And when they're so gifted, like Terry was talking about, Pastor Dan was talking, they're so gifted. But they don't walk in that gift, and they don't, they don't serve others. They don't honor others with the gift because they are battling on the inside the battle of unimportance. Something will never be right in our relationship with God until we sincerely thank him, listen, for who we are and what we are and where we are. Who we are, what we are, and where we are. Let me say this also to you. The surest way to fail is try to change an unchangeable. What do I mean by that? God loves you, and you can't change that. God's gifted you and called you, and it's irrevocable. You, and I'll say this in a moment, you need to be you. You need to understand you are important. God made you in your mother's womb, and he did not make a mistake. Oh, I like that cliche. Listen to me. That's not a cliche. That's truth. You are not a mistake. I'm the third and the youngest of my family, and I was an oops. They planned two children. Had my brother, and three years later, oops. But I was God's plan. Psalm 139 says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance, being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written." the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. That's eternity. Church, you can only be you. And you is what God said you are. Not what that friend in 11th grade said. And I can only be me 
I can't be anyone else. You can only succeed when you become you. In the fullest of of succeeding, you can only do that when you become you. When the Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that in due time he will raise you up. You are humbling yourself and coming under God's direction, creative direction of who you are. So special. Now here's another reason why I have said this for the last 12 years. I am so proud of you. Well, you don't even know who I am. Maybe I don't, but I know who created you, and I'm proud of you, what God created you to be. Stop trying to be someone else. Be you. Let's think about things when we feel unimportant and envious of others and compare and it's fruit. Let me just say it this way. No one gets the whole package. Wherever we are gifted, someone else is gifted with something else. Second thing, the greater a person's influence, the less their impact. The more your impact, the less your influence. Let me ask you a question. Who has more impact on your child, the mother or a teacher? The mother. This is not coming against a teacher. A teacher has influence and some impact. Now, again, a teacher obviously has impact, but the greatest impact is the mother. As a pastor, I have greater influence, but you in the marketplace impact 10 people greater than I can because you are with them. See, that's why we're going to begin home groups, because you are so valuable and so gifted and so important in the kingdom of God. The church has always made the mistake of housing everything inside its four walls. The church is individuals, people, gifted, anointed, important people. And so what we're going to do, and we've already started some, I got a text message with pictures of a home group uh, last week that we began. We did that with married couples And uh, we're going to now begin, next year we'll be announcing it, we're going to be showing you uh, areas that we're going to have home groups that you can go and impact your society. You can impact the street you live on. You can impact the community you live in and become an influence, an influencer. See, because you will have greater impact than I could ever have by speaking here. But one day you'll get them saved, you'll invite them, bring them to church, and then I could have impact and influence on them by teaching the word. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says this, 
And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. You see how God sees things? And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no uh, schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. Every one of us are important. There is no one more important than anybody else. There might be greater impact, there might be greater influence, but the reality is you and I, God overlooks nobody. All of you are gifted to touch lives. And so as the pastor of Valley Community Church, I proclaim in Jesus' name the calling of God. I release you by faith in the calling of God that you have in the things that you do and the gifts that you have. Amen? I think we need to clap to the Lord for that. Let's do that. We need to stop judging based on appearance or status. Let's give respect to each other. And the the third thing I want to show you, everyone has pain. I'm going to say that again. Everyone has pain. Many times it's very private. We look at people in a one-dimensional manner, and because we do that, we're choosing what we desire, but not realizing what comes with it. We are choosing in life, oh, I want to be like him. I want to be like her. I want that. If I had that, I'd be happier. If I had that, I'd do all kinds of things with that. But we really don't know what they really face in their life. I want to show you a picture. Nice car, huh? But if you see the insignia on there, it's an insignia of a hospital. And the person taking that picture was a family member of mine, a nephew, and he sent it to me, and um, they were waiting for someone to come and to get in that vehicle. And while he was standing there waiting, uh, someone came up to him and says, man, look at that. Someone rich is staying in this place. But the person that was going to get in that, that vehicle that was sent from the hospital, they didn't even know that was going to come, was my niece, Debbie, who was that morning going to go and get tested for the, and get prepared for the next day to have surgery because she has breast cancer. But people will look at that vehicle and say, wow. And they'll judge someone in there. And the person walking in that vehicle and sitting down in the back of that vehicle was a person that uh, literally, if you looked at it without faith, and by the way, in Jesus' name, she's fine. I'll tell you in a moment. But the reality is, is people look at that and they judge by what they see, but they don't understand the pain of the person that's getting in it. Whether you have money or no money, whether you have blonde hair, brown hair, red hair, whatever, whatever you are judged, whether you have no hair, brothers, we cannot judge because everybody has pain. 
no matter where you're at. Everybody has pain. It's easy to look at someone and say, I wish I had what they have, but then you have to take their place and take their pain. If you want what they have, then you need to take their pain too. If you want what they have, then you need to take their experience and the, the, the heartache that they faced in their life, the rejection and the things that gone on in their life. If you want what they have, you have to take that too. So that's what Jesus is talking about. That's what Jesus is saying. He says, if you really want to begin to walk in this journey of success and anointing and healing and power, then you need to understand you are important in the kingdom of God, but humble yourself and be a person of honor. Be a person of honor. If you want to be Peter, then you're going to be crucified upside down. Peter was crucified upside down. So, Pastor, what do I do, need to do to change? I'm glad you asked, let me tell you. First of all, you need to love yourself so you can love others. Because God made you, watch this, by accepting yourself. God made you with a purpose of you accepting what he made you to be. God made you in such a unique way that only you, you have your fingerprint. Only you have that. That's so amazing to me. The billions and billions of people and only you have your fingerprint. Hmm. You are created in God's image and you are a miracle. The second thing that you need to understand and begin to believe and walk in is stop seeking your security from man, seek God. Can I get a bigger amen on that? Amen. Jeremiah 17, five through eight says, thus says the Lord, curses a man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes. But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit." You will not cease from yielding fruit. You just be you. What God created you to be. Here's the third thing. <laughs> be rooted in God and your self-identity comes from who we are in Christ and not from what others say we are. <laughs> it's hilarious. I had an experience. I went and worked out yesterday morning because uh, I was uh, in Arizona, and now I want to tell you about Debbie, that they went in and, and they took out the lump and ate uh, lymph nodes from the breast area, not from under the arm, which is a great thing. And the doctor said, with everything that she saw, it looks wonderful. And uh, so we'll find out in about seven to 10 days. 
So about seven to ten days, I'm going to give you a great miraculous report about my niece because we've already prayed and she's healed in Jesus' name. It's so funny how the enemy just wants to just rip us apart in our faith. No matter what goes on around me, I believe God. A thousand may fall at my left side, 10,000 my right, but it will not come nigh me. Because I walk in faith. I'm, I'm not any different than you. I just know who I am in Christ. Not in a prideful way. That's why I humble myself every single day to do and to serve and to be what God's called me to be. Ephesians 3 says this, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in hatred. No, being rooted and grounded in love, that's what it says. My eyes are getting a little bit crazy here. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and the height. To know the love of Christ. To know the love of Christ. I'm going to say it again. To know the love of Christ. What does that mean? I love you. No. That he humbled himself, took upon himself human form, lived a life perfectly, was crucified, shed his blood, took stripes upon his back for our healing so that we can walk in an anointing of importance to the kingdom of God, humbling ourselves, not walking in pride, not walking in insecurity, but walking in the identity of who you are in Christ. And when you do that, to know the love of Christ, that's how you do that. Which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. So be filled with God. Be filled with God. <laughs> Worked out yesterday and a guy for about six months, and, and I won't say his name, but he, he said, hey, Gary, how you doing? I said, great, how you doing? And so after I worked out, I went and got a protein drink, and I sat down at one of the tables, and he came by and said, hey, he said, I didn't see you all week, and I told him why. And, and he says, you know, I've never asked you this. Six months, he's a, he's a commercial pilot and different things. And, and uh, he said, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a pastor. And he goes, I'm a pastor. And his whole countenance changed. For the next five minutes, he wanted to argue with me. For six months, I was like, I was it, because I helped him with some areas with working out and what to do and stuff. And then for five minutes, and the reason why I say five minutes, because I said, I said his name, and I said, uh, no, I'd rather be your friend than to discuss this with you. He says, well, you're a pastor. You don't, you, you don't want to discuss religion? I said, exactly right. I don't discuss religion. I discuss relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And he started coming, you know, wanting to, <clears throat> and I said his name. 
And I said, I will not discuss this with you. You are more important to me than me being right and you being wrong. So I'm going to be your friend. And he said, okay. So, I, you know, I'll see him sometime, and uh, I'm going to be his friend. Amen. See, when you are rooted and grounded in the love of God, you don't have to be right. You just know who you are. And when everybody gets to heaven, then everybody will know that you were right. (laughs) Be filled with God. Amen? Next of all, have the right concept of God. God loves all of us the same. Just because some have more doesn't mean God loves them more. He treated Peter and John the same. And watch this. He treated them and loved them the same. They're just as important to him. Peter died crucified upside down, and John died of old age. John was the only disciple that was not martyred either. And and, and we need to understand, John basically died on the island of Patmos, lonely. (laughs) It's if you read some of his writings. Everyone has pain, but agape love is the same for all. Everyone has their story, but love, agape love, is the same. We must love people the same and be like Christ. Next, trust God with with our needs and desires and to make me into the person I want to become. Trust God with all our needs, with all our desires, to make me, to make you exactly the person that God created you to become. You are important. If you do that, you are important. You will succeed. You will accomplish what God has planned for you to accomplish. That's the desire you need to have. You need to have the desire, God, I want to do what you want me to do. Not my will, but your will. I want to do the things that you've asked me to do. doesn't matter whether I'm hung upside down or I live a long life. It doesn't matter. But I know you've promised me long life, so I'm going to live it. Amen. Because he's already proclaimed this. Hmm. Prayers you should, should always start with. Lord, help me be what you want me to be. Not, oh God, I'm hurting. Lord, help me to be what you want me to be. If I have to go through this pain to get there, I'll go through it. Amen. You know, I don't want to live to be like my friends, even though I like my friends. I want to live to please God and fulfill God's will for my life. And if I do that, I'll be a blessing to my friends. This next one is vital for your mental health. 
trust God with other people and stop interfering with God's work in their lives, especially your family. What? But I'm this and they're not. No. Trust God with other people and stop interfering with God's work in their lives, especially your family. They might be going through a hard time because they're rebelling against God. God didn't put evil on them, but they're rebelling against God. And they're just saying, God, I'm not going to do that because I'm not going to forgive. But you're a forgiver. You're created to be a forgiver, to be like Christ. God forgave. Amen. You want to reject people, but you don't do that because that's not what you're created to be. And when, when you do that, <clears throat> what you're literally doing is you are blocking, you are, you are hindering the very thing that God wants to do in their life. <clears throat> Hear God. Act on his word, not your emotion. What is God saying to you? When, when we got the information about Debbie going for that surgery, I told Terry, I need to be there. And I answered, I said, I will be there unless something I cannot change. Doesn't matter when or where. We had to cut something short uh, that we were enjoying ourselves for, for me to be there. And I'm not saying that as a pat me on the back, but I'm telling you because I heard God. It wasn't because of emotions. The C word, cancer, gotta be there. And we have to get to that place where we understand no matter where your emotions are, hear God and walk according to that. There are some times when you're really listening to God, God will say, back off. I'm working with them. Don't get in the way. Anybody with me? Should I say Merry Christmas? Amen. From today on, be a giver and an encourager. Should always be an encourager. If you ever you ever know someone, maybe a neighbor, coworker, that when you see him, you go the other way because you've been having a good day. And when they come to you, it's like ten minutes of, and you walk away like this. <laughs> be an encourager. Be a giver. Be the giver. Be the encourager. Don't be the one that's always like, woe is me, give me, give me, my need, my need, my need. Be a giver. Always encourage. Always encourage. You know what that is? That's honoring. Peter responded to Jesus still feeling unimportant, saying, what about John? Again, Jesus has no tolerance for that. So let's close with this statement. You are individuals with a very unique call and gift, so just be you. And rejoice with those close to you 
let me say this. Let me say it a different way. So just be you and rejoice with those close to you. And let's join hands together. And let's be a team. We're in this together. God called us here. We're a team. We're family. We're brothers and sisters. Different personalities, different giftings. Richard always makes me laugh. I mean, I just, I want to be around Richard. He's always making me laugh. You know, I, I, I just go around Rocco. I think Rocco to me is a rock. I like who Rocco is. You know, I, I can just name all of you. Just the giftings that you all have, the personalities, the abilities. I might rub you the wrong way, but you've got to understand I'm just as important as you are. And who I am is important in your life as you are important in mine. Let's all stand.